We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. It's official. The United States is now the land of Genesis 11, the land of Nimrod, and the Tower of Babel. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to today's rebellion. Thanks to all of you who are loyal listeners and routinely listen into the show. I really appreciate it, and I'm also grateful that you're doing what I've asked you to do, and that is copy and paste links to your favorite episodes and post them out there in your social media. Thank you for doing that. The listenership of the rebellion is growing exponentially, and it's because of you. Please keep doing that. Please keep posting links out to social media, encourage other people to listen in, and also if you go to Apple Podcasts to listen to The Rebellion, please give us a five-star rating because they use that to adjust their algorithms and it increases the visibility of shows, podcasts, and whatnot. So if you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, it'll bump our algorithms up and we'll get more, uh, we'll get more followers, more members to The Rebellion. So thank you for your support. Thank you for being part of the Rebellion team. I really appreciate it. Today's show, I'm going to talk about the Old Testament story out of Genesis 11, the story that many of you know, if not all of you know, and that's the story of the Tower of Babel, the fall of the Tower of Babel. Now, just a brief overview before we take our break. This is a story that shines a light on the arrogance of man the rising hubris of civilization to the point where they felt that they could build a tower up to the heavens and essentially achieve the status of God and declare themselves to be as gods. In other words, this was the consummation of the original sin. The story that starts in Genesis 1 is now brought full circle here in Genesis 11. Again, Genesis 1, the fall of man the original sin. Adam and Eve are told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. Again, that was the one rule that God gave them, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've told you before that Satan actually gives us the clue as to why God told them that. When he comes to Adam and Eve and he says, Surely God knows that if you eat of that fruit of that tree, that you will become like him. You will become as him. You will become as God. You can supplant God. You can start to define everything for yourself. Good and evil, right and wrong, up and down, black and white, bitter and sweet, sweet and bitter, men and women. You can define everything. You don't need any authority outside of you to give those definitions any longer because you will become as God. You can define everything. 
the original sin. We've talked about this before. Well, if you fast forward to Genesis 11, you see the consummation of this story in the Tower of Babel. The hubris of man rising up, building a tower, suggesting that they can become gods in and of themselves. Not by rising up, but by bringing God down. Many historians or scholars will suggest that they built the tower because they actually thought they could rise to the heavens and and get up there where God existed. Well, they weren't that stupid. They knew that God didn't exist at the top of a tall building. Their Tower of Babel, their construction project, was a monument to their accomplishments, to their power, to their ability, to their knowledge, to their supremacy over God to the extent that they could bring him down to their level because they would tell him what was right and wrong. They would communicate to God rather than let God communicate to them. That's the story of the Tower of Babel, and that will be the context for the rest of the show. As I critique, yes, you guessed it, the confirmation hearings of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, who is likely to be confirmed very soon to a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's, let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So I gave you a thumbnail sketch of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. I skipped a lot, obviously. But the bookends of those first 11 chapters, I would argue, are the fall of man, the original sin in the Garden of Eden, and then the consummation of that at the Tower of Babel, the story of the Tower of Babel, which is a historical story. It's not just a myth. It's a story of the land of Babylon. That's what we call it today. It would be Iran. And the hubris, the arrogance of these people to think that because they had acquired so much wisdom and expertise in technology and construction, that they could actually supplant God and they could they, they could bring God down to their level and rise up to the status of gods in and of themselves and declare to the world that they had the power to build this structure, build this society, build this civilization that would define everything, define right and wrong, good and evil. That's the story of Babel. Now, I want you to be thinking about that as we go through this discussion of Marsha Blackburn's questioning of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson during last week's confirmation hearings. And you know the story. I already talked about it in one of my previous shows, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've been reading about it because of this crazy response that, that Judge Brown gave to Marsha Blackburn when the judge was simply asked, can you provide a definition of the word woman? Okay, so just for the sake of argument, let me refresh your memory on this exchange. Again, it took place last week between Senator Marsha Blackburn and the Supreme Court nominee, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. And this is what was said. I've, I've got the transcript right in front of me, so I'm going to read it to you. 
Senator Blackburn said this, In the United States versus Virginia, the Supreme Court struck down the Virginia Military Institute's male-only admission policy. Writing for the majority, Justice Ginsburg stated, and I quote, Supposed inherent differences are no longer accepted as a ground for race or national origin classifications. Physical differences between men and women, however, are enduring. The two sexes are not fungible. A community made up exclusively of one sex is different from a community composed of both. Close quote, Justice Ginsburg. And then Marsha Blackburn concluded by asking Judge Jackson this question. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Judge Jackson responded, and she said this, Senator, respectfully, I'm not familiar with that particular quote or case, so it's hard for me to comment. Senator Blackburn, do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's meaning of men and women as male and female? Judge Jackson, again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how I interpret it. Senator Blackburn, okay, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Judge Jackson, can I provide a definition for the word woman? Uh, no, I can't. Senator Blackburn, you can't? Judge Jackson, not in this context. I'm not a biologist. Incredible. Senator Blackburn, is the meaning of the word woman so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of your kind of progressive ideology. What kind of message do you think this sends? I think it sends a message to our girls that their voices don't matter and that they are second-class citizens. Close quote. And that's a summary of this exchange between the senator and this Supreme Court nominee. What's the point? Well, essentially my point is this. Welcome to a land of chaos. Seriously. Welcome to a land of total confusion. Welcome to a nation where those who speak of justice can't even define the word just. Welcome to a country where those who deny biology do so while they elevate biologists in trying to dodge questions of biology. Welcome to a court in a confirmation process where a judge who knows that she's been nominated explicitly because she's what? A female. Joe Biden said he was nominating her because she's a female. One more time, we know, she knows, everyone knows that Biden said he was going to nominate and appoint a female. So we've got a person who knows she's nominated explicitly because she's female saying she can't provide a definition of the word woman. Like I said, welcome to a culture in chaos. Welcome to a land of total confusion. Welcome to Genesis 11. Welcome to the Tower of Babel. Now, I want to go back and remind you of some of the things that I've been reading in this excellent book. This excellent book that uh, is written by Noel Maring. 
Again, the title of the book is Awake, Not Woke, written by Noelle Maring, and it just came out recently. She says this in her book, and, it, and listen to this quote in the context of what I just said about a land of chaos, a land of total confusion, a nation that can't define its terms any longer, down to the point where a justice can't tell you what's just, and a judge who's taken an oath to uh, administer justice without partiality to persons apparently can't define what a person is, or at least can't define a female person. You know, on this issue, Donald Trump is exactly right. He tweeted this weekend that if a person can't define what a woman is, how in the world can you trust them to defend the Constitution? The answer is you can't. If words are this meaningless, there is nothing that is stable. Everything's going to be moving. The target will change on a daily basis. Lady Justice is far from blind because she's going to have to lift up the blindfold and peek and try to figure out what the new definition of everything is on a daily basis before she even thinks about making a decision in a court of law. There's nothing stable any longer in this land of chaos, in this land of total confusion, a nation that's totally lost its way. Back to Noel Maring's book. Again, the title is Awake, Not Woke. And I want to read this quote to you. A breakdown of our common understanding of words leads to a society in chaos and frustration, inevitably miscommunicating and plagued with distrust. When words lose their meaning, we become suspicious, not only of each other, but also of ourselves and our ability to grasp reality. We become a cacophony screaming across a chasm for recognition. Each of us, the ruler of our own reality. Distrustful, fragile, and hot-tempered. Welcome to the Tower of Babel. She just described it. Now, she goes on in her book, and she cites another great author, great book. The book is The Beginning of Wisdom, and it's written by Leon Cass, K-A-S-S. And he writes of the breakdown of common language at the Tower of Babel. Cass specifically goes back to the story of the Tower of Babel to make his point. And here's his quote out of his book, titled again, The Beginning of Wisdom by Leon Cass, K-A-S-S. Because language bespeaks the inner world of the speakers, sharing one language also means a common inner life, with simple words accurately conveying the self-same imaginings, passions, and desires of every human being. To be of one language is to be of one mind, heart, and soul about the most important fundamental things. Close quote. Leon Cass. Now, do you get that quote? He's saying that one language is important for one people, for one culture, for one country. This is why we have to define a nation's language. This is why it's important to speak French when you're in France. This is why it's important to speak Spanish when you're in Spain. Portuguese when you're in Portugal. This is why it's important that the United States have a language, an official language. This is why it's important to teach those who immigrate legally into the United States to speak English, and why it's important for them to understand that as a priority. Because language bespeaks the inner world of the speakers. Sharing one language also means a common inner life 
with simple words accurately conveying the self-same imaginings, passions, values, desires of every human being within that culture, within that nation, within that country. To be of one language is to be of one mind, one nation, one culture, one country, one constitution, one America, if you will, or one France or one Spain, if you lived there. It's to be of one mind and heart about the most fundamental things. Fundamental things like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, freedom. You know, you're endowed by your creator with certain unalienable rights. The definition of what it means to be a person, a human being. How about the fundamental issues of femininity? That a female is a fact, not a fabrication. Let's go back to Maring again and her book. When our shared language becomes compromised, we lose not only the utility of it. I'll say that again. We lose not only the utility of it, which enables us to convey basic facts about the practical realities of daily life, but also we lose any common and universal meaning toward which our daily lives might point. In other words, if you can't communicate effectively, if your words don't mean anything to each other, if they're fungible, to use Ruth Bader Ginsburg's word, if everything becomes fungible, then nothing is fundamental, and therefore nothing means anything from one day to the next. Words like marriage, words like happiness, words like male and female, and I've covered other words throughout the course of this show in previous episodes, gay and green, liberal and conservative, fascism. The word fascism doesn't mean anything any longer because the left, every time it doesn't like something that I say or a conservative says, just accuses us of being fascists. Not realizing that that's the last word that applies to somebody who's fighting for individual liberty rather than the collective bond of the crushing fascist. Back to Noel marrying again. When our shared language becomes compromised, we lose not only the utility of it, which enables us to convey basic facts about the practical realities of daily life, but it also means we've lost common and universal meaning toward that which our daily lives might point. It does not take much, she says. It does not take much convincing to see our society as it currently stands is experiencing a crisis of meaning. We cannot build any tower, says Maring, even were it not a doomed hubristic enterprise, because we are arguing over the building blocks. One more time on that. She says this, we cannot build any tower because we're arguing over the building blocks. The definition of the blocks themselves we're arguing over. And then she concludes by saying this, Consider how drastically we have altered the meaning and usage of simple words like man and woman. But it is not just the building blocks that are corrupted, she says, but the purpose of the project is obscured entirely. Close quote. Noel Maring, Awake Not Woke. Now that is a good quote, and that is is an excellent point. We're arguing not only the we're we're arguing not only over the purpose of the project. That purpose has been obscured entirely. The purpose of building a country, building a nation, 
building a constitution, building the next generation to defend these building blocks. No, we're not only arguing over the nature of the project. Is the project systemically unjust or is the project something good and virtuous that we should try to preserve and conserve and pass on to the next generation? I mean, this is the nature of the CRT, LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM debate. Is America worth preserving, conserving? Is the project, is the project itself worthy of preservation? Or has the purpose of the project been obscured entirely because of the bastardization of the words that define the project? We can't even define the building blocks, let alone defend the project. This is the nature of the debate over education and the debate over so much that is plaguing our culture right now. And the babbling incoherence, the babbling incoherence of Katanji Brown Jackson, whereby she's claiming not to even know something that any five-year-old surely knows. And that is, what is a man and a woman? Five-year-olds can figure this out. They don't need a degree in biology. And the irony of that response from Jackson was she was tacitly admitting that biology must be something that actually needs to be taken into consideration when you're defining a woman. And therefore, Leah Thomas is not a woman because biologically he is a man. Now, why others in the Supreme Court confirmation hearings didn't pick up on that is a bit bewildering. It was a wonderful opportunity to point that out. But anyway, this babbling incoherence of Katanji Brown Jackson, where she's claiming not even to know something, this fundamental, this non-fungible, it just shines a light on this sobering fact that we are about to have a Supreme Court justice that doesn't even believe in facts. We've apparently come to the point where someone pretending to be a feminist can't define the female. And like I said earlier, a judge who has pledged, this is in her oath of office, she's taken it before and she will take it again. She has pledged to administer justice, quote unquote, without respect to persons. But she apparently can't even tell us what a person actually is. Can't define a woman, can't define a female, She's going to administer justice without respect to persons? Well, what's a person? Can you define it? Apparently, a person who is one second before exiting the birth canal doesn't deserve justice and should be executed, according to Ms. Jackson. And apparently, a female person isn't well-defined enough to deserve her own bathroom, her own shower, her own scholarship, and her own sport. How can you administer justice without respect to persons if you can't define a person? Again, Donald Trump was spot on. You can't. You can't defend the Constitution if you can't provide a definition for the word woman. When words lose their meaning, and this has been a constant theme on my show, the definition of words, I've circled back to this over and over again because it's so critical. 
and Noelle Maring is nailing it in her book. Any culture that loses its defining cult, and remember what I've said about the definition of cult, the root word here, the etymology of this word culture goes back to cult, cultivate, common uh, parallel rows in the field so that it makes sense, so that you can create something out of this ground that is meaningful and better than what was there in the first place. But you have to have purpose. You have to have a parallel structure. You have to know what you're doing to turn over the soil, to cultivate it. If you're just going out there haphazardly and doing nothing meaningful, you're not going to grow anything as the result of the effort. It's chaos. It's not cultivation. And when you don't have common understanding of these words that define your culture, your community, the, the, the pharaohs, the rows that are going in the, the same direction in a unified and predictable way. When you don't have that any longer, you're not going to have a nation. You're not going to have a common people. You're not going to have a culture. You're not going to have a civilization. When words lose their meaning, the tower falls. And nations die, and the people are going to scatter, and you're going to have nothing left but competing tribes of us against them and me against you, blacks against whites, LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT against everybody else, against heteronormity and cisgender folks. That's what you get when words lose their meaning. Again, in the words of Noel Marion, you get a cacophony screaming across a chasm with this cabal of self-worshipping priests and priestesses telling us that we should just ignore the rubble of the fallen tower. That's the story of the Tower of Babel, and that's the story of our modern day. Civilizations cannot endure if you can't even define your words any longer that serve as the glue to bind the culture together into a unified community. The common agreement and common understanding that comes with the positive definition and interpretation of the word cult as the etymology and root word of culture. I'm going to close by reading a passage from Genesis 11, actually verses 7 through 9. And the Lord said, Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they don't understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. And they left off building the city. Therefore, their name was called Babel. Close quote. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.